Changing Lanes, the official podcast of BMW. Welcome to this episode of Changing Lanes, the official podcast of BMW. I'm Jonathan Tilley. And I'm Nikki Shields. And today on the podcast, we are giving you an inside peek into how BMW cars are named. I mean, you'd never put an X in front of an I, right? No, no, never, Jonathan. What are you thinking? Never, never. crazy. But, you know, (laughs) joking aside, a lot of people don't know that model designations at BMW, they follow a clear system that is actually built on tradition. Uh, Which letter and which number and how to read their combinations, it's like a completely different language, like Sanskrit or something. Like, (laughs) how do you decode this, right? (laughs) So even putting together new BMW model names, it's also like creating its own language. And, you know, (laughs) I think this is super cool. There's There's a department at BMW called Strategic Naming and Vehicle Identification, and they deal with exactly that, you know. So if you thought that a brief internal brainstorming session on the new name of a new BMW is more than enough, then you are sorely mistaken. Finding a new model name, it takes extensive research with the ultimate goal of just giving orientation for customers as well as international comprehensibility. I mean, think about it. BMW, international company. If it has all these different names, it's not going to translate well. But numbers works all around. Plus, planning for the names to live long into the future as well is something that, that needs to be considered. So if you are in the dark on how each model gets its name... This podcast episode will shed some light. Yeah, this has been an amazing learning experience. I think we've both enjoyed it, haven't we? It's been quite cathartic. Just finally, ah, the penny has dropped. Now I understand the rather what appears to be complicated uh, models of designations and names that each car are given. But actually, this is hopefully going to... um, spread some light and uh, hopefully be rather useful to everybody. So yes. I'm going to yes. take you through an example. Um, so hopefully this will help you decipher model designations easily. Um, so first example is the BMW 745e. Now, mm-hmm. let's take the first number in this, the first number of three digits. Now, this always stands for the segment or the model series. And obviously, the larger, well, I say obviously, I shouldn't really say obviously, should I? <laughs> <laughs> the larger the number, the higher the vehicle is classified in the BMW model hierarchy. So obviously the BMW 745e is the 7 series. Um, now, even numbers usually stand for the very sporty or the sporty variations of concepts such as coupes and SAVs, which are the sports activity vehicles. Um, and the idea behind that is to hopefully make it easier for customers to find their way around. Um, Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's always the objective to make it easy, but it's only easier <laughs> when you understand the story behind it. (laughs) Um, Now, you're probably thinking, but hang on a minute. Sometimes I see a car and there is no model name on the back of the car. There is no badge. So how am I supposed to know? Well, basically what normally happens is the model number for each vehicle is kind of communicated in you know, in press releases when the model car first comes out, or it's in the configurator to make it easier for customers to find their way around. And usually, the model names don't actually appear on the back of the vehicle because the concepts are pretty much recognised by the design, or they should be recognised yeah. by the design. Um, and I think mm. that actually just shows it's another reason why design is so integral at BMW yeah. because the concepts are instantly recognised by the design. Yeah. Um, however. 
Having said all of that, Jonathan, <laughs> <laughs> of course there's exceptions. There's always exceptions what? to the rules, and that's why it always gets a bit no. more complicated. Yeah. So, Never. <laughs> exactly. This does not <laughs> apply to the SAVs, the SACs, which are the sports activity vehicles and coupes, um, and the roadsters. So instead, these concepts carry their concept designation X and Z in the vehicle name and is also identified on the vehicle. So yes. know, if you've got your X5 or your Z4, then that will be marked on the back of the vehicle. Um, but let's get back to our example, the BMW 745e sedan. Now, this is a high-class sedan. It's mm. the flagship of the BMW brand. So we know that because it's got the seven at the front. But then let's go to the two digits that follow, the 45. Yeah. Um, now, these are actually used to indicate the engine displacement. Now, in the past, for example, we've had the 30 for 3.0 liter displacement. Um, but now, being in the future that we are, they rank power per kilowatt. So, by virtual displacement. So, a vehicle with the number 45 has an output between 300 and 350 kilowatts. So, Got that's it. really useful, actually. And, um, and I found that quite interesting to understand. Um, and then, of course, you've got with cross-portfolio introduction of turbo, hybrid, and electric engine technology, BMW has stringently developed the nomenclature for that. Now, lowercase letters appear last in the model designation. Mm -hmm. Now, this stands for, if you've got a petrol engine with injection, uh, the latest injection technology, uh, it has the abbreviation I. Then if it's a diesel engine, you have the abbreviation D. And then if it's an E, that identifies a car as a plug-in hybrid. So the BMW 745e is a FEV. It's a plug-in hybrid because you've got that lowercase e at the end. Now, next step. <laughs> if a vehicle <laughs> is powered by all four wheels, then this vehicle carries xDrive in its name. xDrive, of course, is the trademark for all-wheel drive at BMW. Then if you have an S-Drive, this designation stands for front or rear-wheel drive, but it's only mentioned in the names of X and Z models. So you're going to only have, you know, X in the S-Drive, Z with the S-Drive. Got that? <laughs> Got it. I'm ready yeah, for my really pop quiz. Okay, good. <laughs> Tell me. I'm going to quiz you at the end, Jonathan. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Of course, there's going to be, you know, exceptions to the rule and, and all this stuff. And and for us, for, for somebody listening in right now, this is probably going to be like, wait, what? This is so complicated. But I'm going to dive into the history of what it used to be. And if your mind is a little bit muddied right now, just the way that it was beforehand was was even more all over the place. So... I got some good info out, out of that. I like the abbreviation I, which is for gasoline petrol, D for diesel, E for plug-in hybrid. We also have I, which we're going to get to a little bit later. But uh, but there's there's some things that, that's like latching on into my brain and I hope for um, also for the podcast listeners as well. But let's talk about the past, right? Let's talk about the BMW models designations and their history. Now, looking back at BMW's long history... BMW's first car ever was christened the BMW 315HP, a license built in 1929 with, 
as the name suggests, 15 horsepower, and the three stands for the tax horsepower, which resulted from the displacement of 750 cubic centimeters. Okay, so let's start with the BMW 303 of 1933. Lots of threes in there. All pre-war automobiles were given a 300 number. Now, these were development numbers. The 100 number range was reserved for aircraft engines and the 200 number range for motorcycles. And like we said, like way back when in the podcast, BMW wasn't just cars. It was also motors for aircraft, right? So this just makes sense that it starts with 100 for aircraft, 200 for motorcycles, but now cars starting with 300. So... Over well-known BMW models such as the 501, the 700, the 3200 CS, and the 1500 belonging to the new class and the 02 series accumulated until the 60s models, uh, designations that were logical in themselves, <laughs> you think, but one thing was not yet logical. It wasn't stringent. And I don't know about you, Nikki, but my head is already spinning, right? So... But in the 1970s, they changed things, right? So during the planning for the successor model to the Neue Klasse or the new class, BMW management, they had this ambition to install a more intuitive solution for the model series designations, which Keith. Nikki, you <laughs> shed that light on with us. So let's talk about names, right? What about the Isetta? right? What's the number for that? With the names for Isetta, they weren't pursued in the BMW technology anymore. The Isetta is the Isetta is the Isetta. Awesome. We love it. But BMW is so much more than just one make and model like the Isetta, right? So the goal of giving each model a specific name it wasn't just needed for transparency so that they'd be easy to follow internationally, like I said before. You know, China, Russia, Europe, everywhere, you need something you can say easily, quickly, and numbers and letters is the most easy and quickly understandable and transparent way to relay information. All right, so picture it. It's 1972, a turning point for the naming of BMW models, and with the new BMW 520i, a clear structure was introduced for BMW naming, which has been consistently followed to this day. And for the ones who want to decode this name, 520i, 5 Series, 2.0 liter motor, gasoline injection. Ah, now it actually makes, it makes perfect sense. Finally. It's making sense now, right? Yes. You can decode it. You can get to grips with it. So, I mean, think about it. The names that were used up to that point, they were too inconsistent. Like I said, I was, I, I couldn't follow it myself. And then the logic of the 1960s offered hardly any attractive possibilities for just implementing the type designation of smaller models with higher engine power. It, it just was like a disaster waiting to happen. So this foundation that they did in 1972, it ensures even to this day that we have the idea of what these names are. And it even carries over into the age of electromobility. So you could say that this naming idea was future-proof. Oh, I like it. I like it. So it's basically yeah. been going for 50 years and there is no reason we need to change it now. So that, that hopefully does... Um, demystify any issues you've had with understanding exactly. the model names. Um, and of course, it couldn't be better timing because then the BMW M also followed this logical system yeah. to, well, a really great success. And again, you know, that still sounds today. BMW M models or models of the M sub-brand have stood for performance. They've always stood for performance, extra speed, 
especially the mm. extra sporty BMW models since, of course, the well, early 1970s, really. Um, yeah. And then on the vehicle and in communication, the M is represented by that iconic badge, you know, the M in combination with those three colored stripes. Um, it's such an iconic look and it's the it's the badge that everyone wants on their BMW, really. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, on a side note, though, to learn more actually about the BMW M logo and colours, uh, do check out our other podcast where we go into a little bit more detail about the history and the design of it. It's podcast number 21. So get stuck in to that if you want to know more about the BMW M logo. Um, okay, so back to naming of the BMW M cars. Now, on the M performance vehicle, the M will always precede the name. For example, mm. you've got the M340i. We know that that's Makes sense. M, M Sport. We know it's a three series. It's got four litres and it's injection fueled. Now, on the X and the Z models, the M is placed before the model designation and this is placed after the vehicle name. So, for example, you've got the X5 M50i. So there we have it. You've got the got it. X5, it's an M Sport, it's five litre and it's injection fueled. Um, then, of course, if you've got drive variants, so the X Drive or the S Drive, you know, we mentioned earlier, the X Drive is a sort of all wheel drive, S Drive is front or rear wheel drive. They are admitted from the M performance models and they're actually only part of the name if there are two identical models offered with and without the all-wheel drive. So usually you're not going to see that. Yeah, exactly. Always, Always an, an exception. exception to the rule. <laughs> <laughs> now, the M high-performance vehicles such as the BMW M3, the M4, the M8, or the BMW X5 M also differentiate themselves in terms of classification because these models don't have a model designation in the name that provides the information about the performance, the drive type or the drive variant. But actually here, it's just the M in the foreground. It stands strong alone. Um, so you don't have all that additional information there in the name. Um, the system actually differs in that for the X and the Z vehicles, because the M subbrand is behind the name. So actually, so in this instance, you have the BMW X4M or the BMW M4. Nice and simple. Got it. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Straightforward, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> now, I mean, like you said before, Jonathan, I think the BMW naming strategy has clearly been future-proofed. It's been used for the last 50 years and clearly it will go on using it uh, for many mm. more years to come. And I think the beauty of it is actually now that we've yeah. understood it, <laughs> hopefully everyone listening has understood it as well. And it just gives BMW um, the opportunity to just continue to expand the portfolio without losing the logic in the naming strategy, um, which makes it easy for everyone at BMW to understand and most importantly for its customers and the likes of you and me. <laughs> and and when, when you know when we're looking at the naming strategy as well, I think it needs to be authentic. It's got to be true to mm. the brand, but it's got to be understandable and comprehensible. So actually if you understand the um the backstory behind it, it's actually really clear now. Um and it makes it quite obvious to customers and to me and you why a BMW is called what exactly. it's called. Um, and actually you don't need to, you know, lift up the bonnet to see what's underneath to understand what's in the car. Um, so that makes it much, much easier, I think. And it's just a great long tradition that will no doubt continue going Most forward. Um, and, you know, you've got sort of designations such as the BMW M3, which are just 
firmly anchored <laughs> in everyone's consciousness, isn't it? Um, and it's just really established itself as a, almost a brand mm. in itself. You know, it's a model that is a brand in itself because it's just so well known, the classic BMW. Most M3. definitely. And, you know, it, it, it is this tradition that is set in our brains and now we understand it a little bit more. It doesn't feel like Sanskrit. And like I said before, it's future proof. And as we've been going on and on for ages about this, the future, it's electric. And this new chapter of electric mobility is also going to be expanding in the naming as well. So we spoke about the, the D, the E, the I, the I. right? So the BMW I subbrand which stands for innovation, this is going to grow consistently at BMW over the next few years with fully electrified models or BEVs, BEVs. So in addition to the BMW i3, the now discontinued, unfortunately, BMW i8 and the i3, there's going to be the BMW iX and the BMW i4. So here, you can start to see the pattern, can't you, right? BV models are preceded by the sub-brand i in the vehicle name. Now, the BV models follow the systematics of the X models, meaning the model designation is separate from the vehicle name, and models with all-wheel drive carry the already familiar X-Drive, right, in the model designation, in contrast to the newly introduced E-Drive for non-all-wheel drive models. So, in a recent podcast episode where I got to interview the amazing Kai Lange, who's head of BMW iDesign, it is crazy super clear that the BMW i subbrand it ain't going anywhere fast right so if you want to listen in and dive deeper into that topic check out that conversation with Kai Lange from a couple weeks ago it was truly groundbreaking and like blew my mind anyway back to the naming and wrapping up of this episode in style so there are no rules without exceptions right that's, that's just how it is so the BMW iX is the innovative flagship of BMW's BEV vehicles and doesn't use a segment designation due to its independent positioning. So let that sink in, right? So this is also a slight exception to the rule. But no matter how a BMW is named, you know the reasoning behind it. And now you can decipher this secret language for yourself. Or, you know, the next time you have a conversation <laughs> with your BMW fan friends, you can brag about your knowledge, right? <laughs> exactly. You can show off. Yeah, I know the exactly. answers. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. And I love the fact that they're using I at the beginning of all the electric yeah. vehicles because, again, it's just, it's easy yeah. to understand, isn't it? You know, it's easy to identify. You instantly know that that is an electric car. Um, and, you know, that is, is going to be the most sustainable car um, in, the, exactly. in the series. Exactly. Well, there you have it. We've decoded it. I hope it hasn't been too stressful for everybody listening in. But at the end of the day, the more that you see it and the more you understand it, the easier it is. And like I said, it's pretty good bragging rights when you're when you're chatting with some uh, BMW friend fans. Uh, and, uh, you know, you might sound like an expert. Exactly. Not as complicated when you know. Exactly. <laughs> when you know, you know. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of Changing Lanes. If you did enjoy this episode, do make sure you subscribe to our podcast for all future episodes. And also to dive deeper into all things BMW, you know what to do. Head on over to BMW.com to learn more. I'm Nikki Shields. And I'm Jonathan Tilly. And this has been Changing Lanes. See you next time. <laughs>